0: Welcome to Northridge Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. For more information, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your heart as we dive into God's word. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online, 92.5 The Bear. Audience, thank you so much for tuning in. For just a second, I want you to, I want you to imagine a life with Less. Less stress, less worry, less envy, less jealousy, less comparisons. Now I want you to imagine a life with more. More peace, more more joy, more gratitude. So, Pastor, how can I have both? One word. Contentment. Contentment. See, we live in a world where where we're taught that bigger is better. More is always better. And we strive and we do and we get and we buy and we have and we hold more all the time. It's a craving for more. But, But the thing is, is how do we know when enough is enough? Like, like, Where's the measuring rod is what I wanna know to where we realize we have enough. Where's the measuring rod? Unfortunately, in our culture, it's right here, right? We scroll and we see and we watch and we look and we observe and we judge everyone else and where they are and what they have on our social media apps. And, And by comparing ourselves Then we go, oh, that's how I know that I'm winning. It's because they're winning less than I am. I know that I'm winning because it looks, in appearances, it looks like they're losing. So I must be winning. I must be doing good. Isn't that pathetic? Like, isn't that so sad that that's how we live our life in judgment of others constantly, comparing ourselves with other people? comparing my life, how it looks to them. You've done it and I've done it. Like this isn't a myth. This isn't a lie. This isn't just, I mean, this is real life stuff that we all have dealt with. And to be honest, it even hurts to admit it, doesn't it? It hurts to admit it. But people live in the neighborhood they live in. They have the house that they have. They drive the car that they drive. They wear the clothes that they wear, not really because they like it, but because they like the way it makes them look to their peers, they like the way it makes them appear to their friends that, oh, I'm winning. I am succeeding. I am advancing better than you. It is so sad. But this isn't like an America 2022 problem. This has been going on for thousands of years. Thousands of years this has been going on. I'll prove it to you. Solomon, by the way, the wisest man to live, the wisest. The wisest man said this, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. Then, this is him looking at his life experience, everything that he's acquired, everything that he's done. The theologians say he was one, if not the wealthiest man in the Bible. He said, I observed, I watched and I observed people. Most people, he says, are motivated to success. Why? Because they envy their Neighbors, huh? The wisest man said, I've sat back and watched people, I've known a lot of people, seen a lot of people, done a lot of stuff, and I've observed that most people's motivation on why they want to succeed is because they simply have compared themselves to their neighbors and they are envious. Comparison. if you're a note taker, I have a lot of little one-liners today. I got three points at the bottom at the end. We'll get to it later. I'm gonna kind of dangle that over you for right now. Comparison is a catalyst for envy. Comparison, looking at your life observed against another person's life, that is a catalyst for envy, for jealousy, for coveting. Proverbs 14.30 tells us what envy does to our body. Proverbs fourteen thirty says that envy rots the bones. Envy, that feeling that you have that I want what you got. I'm comparing my life to you, you have X, Y, and Z. I don't, I want it, I'm gonna try and get it so that way I'll measure up to you. That, 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 that envy rots the bones. Eats you up from the inside out. I love what James said, James, we got a lot of scripture today, by the way. Is that okay? Like I'm, I'm gonna be cooking them, baby. I mean, we're just fishing them out of the Bible. All right. A lot of scripture today. James three fourteen through sixteen says this. But if you harbor bitterness, you harbor envy, and selfishness and selfish ambition in your own heart, he says, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, he puts quote, it doesn't that does not come down from heaven. He said, it's earthly, the envy that you have, the envy in your heart, the selfishness in your heart, that envy, he said, it's unhealthy. He said, it's earthly, it's unspiritual. Here it is, it's demonic. It's demonic for me to crave what you got. I want what you have, you look better than me. You have more than I have. I compare myself up to you and I'm mad. That envy, the Bible calls it demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. Wow. Exodus 20 verse 17 says, "Thou shalt not, what, covet your neighbor's house." You must not covet your neighbor's wife, or their servants, or their ox, or their donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Kind of in modern day terms, you must not be jealous of your neighbor's house, or their landscaping, or their life, or their wife, or the car they drive, or the lawnmower they have, or the ski boat they got. You should not be comparing yourself and coveting after what your neighbor has. It will rot you from the inside out. Nobody wins if you 're a no taker. Nobody wins the comparison game. There's no winner. There's no finish line. there's no trophy. there's no lanyard with first place prize on there, because there's no winning. there's no really race. it's invisible. There's a social media study that was done right after the heat of the pandemic so in 2021 a major university did a social media study where they brought in students into a room and they said get out your cell phones and for the next 60 minutes I want you to scroll through your cell phone for the next 60 minutes open up whatever social media app that you want to 60 minutes scroll through and do nothing but look at your social media and then afterwards we have a quiz for you and then they took the quiz and the the question for the quiz is how do you feel Listen to this, 40% of the people reported the number one emotion that they felt after scrolling through for 60 minutes on their social media, looking at their friends and their life, 40% of them said their number one emotion was envy. Number one emotion was envy. Your number two was depression. <laughs> and we just, we, just, we just give them to our children as innocent little tools to play and have fun. And it's rotting the inside of their life. <laughs> It's rotting them from the inside out. It's rotting you from the inside out. Now, I don't have to tell you that. You feel it. You feel the same way. Rachel Cruz said, comparison kills true joy. It kills true joy. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He says, we do not dare classify, rank, compare we don't classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves people that are commending themselves look what i've done he said we don't even rank ourselves against that we don't compare ourselves against that when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves that's a lot of selves that's what it says the apostle paul said i'm not playing this game (laughs) Like the people that commend themselves, he said, "I don't rank against them. I'm not competing against them. I'm not comparing my life against them." Why? At the very end, he says, "They are not wise." So Solomon said, "It's going to rot you from the inside out." Paul says, "It's not wise. It's not wise." Bitch, by the which, by the way, a smart person learns from their own experience. A wise person learns from other people's experience. So I'm going to listen to what Solomon has to say. You know why? Because he's the wisest man on earth. He asked for wisdom. God gave him wisdom above anybody else. And he's telling you after all his life experience of having and doing and getting and earning and owning after everything, he said, listen, I just sat back and observed that everybody's motivation pretty much is just they're trying to compete with their neighbor. And it's called envy. And it's going to rot you from the inside out. A smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from other people's mistakes. Solomon says this, here it is. Ecclesiastes chapter two, don't put up verse 11 yet. I wanna read verses one through 10. It's it's a little lengthy, so I didn't put it up there. So Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses one through 10. I'm gonna try to do it quickly. Solomon Solomon said, I said to myself, come, let's try many different pleasures. Let's look at all the good things in life. So he decided He would find meaning in building huge homes for himself, plural, homes, planted beautiful vineyards for myself. I made gardens and I built parks. I filled them with all sorts of different fruit trees and flourishing groves. I purchased servants. I had many wives. I collected many sums of gold and of silver. I hired many people to work for me. I had many beautiful wives. He said, I had everything a man could desire. That's what Solomon's saying. He said, I had it all, man. Anything that I wanted, I got it. I had everything that my life desired. And then here's what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. But as I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere I looked at everything that I accomplished, everything that I had done, that I had aspired to do, that I had worked for, that I had owned, that I had bought, that I had managed. He said, I looked at all of it, anything that I wanted. And the Bible goes, he, he said that it was greater. He, beca- he says this, Ecclesiastes 2.9, I became greater than all who had ever lived before me in Jerusalem. <laughs> he was the top of the world. He said, it was all nothing. It was meaningless. It was pointless. There's no finish line. There's no trophy because there's no winning. There's no ribbon. There's no reward. It's meaningless like chasing the wind. Today's title sermon, wind chasers never win. Wind chasers never win chasing more leaves us craving more so what can we do right how can we change is this does this problem get solved let me ask you this this is not rhetorical this is like for real like who in here would love to learn to be more content in their life like raise your hand cool. Everyone over 35, raise their hand. Great. Yes. Like, I feel like that's like a tipping point in our life, right? Like, like we observe, okay, I'm 35. I'm about halfway through. Okay. Has what I've been doing prior to this, has it worked? <laughs> no, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Don't curveball. Let's, let's, let's reevaluate my life. Okay. I love this. What if you missed your calling in life because you're trying to pursue somebody else's? What if you miss your purpose in life because you're obsessed with living somebody else's? Look at your kids for just a second. It makes you happy, parents, doesn't it? When you get your kid that new toy they wanted and they're happy, it makes us happy, truthfully. Like we're, we're smiling because they're smiling and that's a cool feeling, it is. I love being a girl dad. Man, I wanted a boy so bad, but when I got a girl and became a girl dad, I'm like, man, you keep on them boys. I want a little princess. Come here, you know? Like, dude, Whoo, right. Man, they expensive, but they worth it. <laughs> like, I love my little girls. L- love my girls, wife and daughter. Love them. But here's the deal. Have you watched, like really, have you watched your kid when you give them a toy and they're excited and they're playing with it and they're laughing and they're on the knees and they're on the ground, they're pushing it, they're playing with it, they're rolling with it and they're smiling, they're enjoying it, until when? Until little Johnny across the street gets the newer version. Until little Susie next door gets the faster version with the blinky lights and yours don't have blinky lights. And then the one across the street, not only does it have blinky lights, but now his toy's actually got Bluetooth and he controls it with his iPhone. I mean, seriously there it happens right okay. and, and, then, and then your kid's dissatisfied and then no I want that one I, I don't want this one I want the upgrade aren't you glad we outgrow that as, as adults the peop- people listening on 92.5 Bear can't see my face right now I'm making a weird face by the way audience listening aren't you glad we outgrow that nope we don't outgrow it do we Kids do it with $4 toys. Adults do it with $400,000 houses. The only difference between men and boys is the price tag of their toys. Wind chasers never win. Say it with me. Wind chasers never win. One more time. Wind chasers never win. Tattoo it on your heart today. So honestly, can this problem even be solved? We're taught as little kids, right? We're listening, we're watching, we're learning. I mean, Hollywood wants to embed it in our minds that bigger is better, more is better, newer is better. It's something we've been taught. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the whisper? I don't know what else to call it. I'm gonna call it a whisper. Have you ever heard the whisper? If you have what they have you'd be happier. Did everybody hear me? If you had what they had, you would be happier. Is it just me? Like I have crazy voices in my head. Have y'all ever heard the whisper in your mind when you're looking at someone else's life? If you had what they had, you would be happier. It's the whisper. It's the whisper that we deal with, that we struggle with, right? We all know that the only way to see if that's true is to try it. And guess what? You tried it. So did I. If you had what they had, you'd be happier. So guess what we did? We went and got it, because we wanted to try. Let's see. Let's see if the new car works. Eh. Let's see if the new house works. Eh. Let's see it. let's go on that trip. See if that, eh, eh. let's get that new job. Maybe I'll get that promotion, then I'll be happy. Eh. Over and over and over, again and again and again, we're chasing the wind. And guess what? Wind chasers never win. Do you ever get tired of living in the land of Ur? Not R, not Pirate, not talking about like, you know, Justice for Johnny, Pirates of Caribbean. No, I'm not talking about any of that junk. None of that junk. Not, not Pirates of the Caribbean, not R. Are you, have you ever, are you tired of living in the land of Ur? You know, I wish I had their marriage because then I would be happy err. You, know if I had, if I had, man, if I had that car, I knew I'd be happy because that car is much newer. And the ladies like looking at, it like, man, I wish, man, I wish my hair looked like that. Then I'd be much prettier. I wish I had what they had. I wish I could have their job because then I would be wealthy, er, newer, bigger, smaller, handsomer, prettier, more talented, er. <laughs> Wealthier, prettier, cuter, smarter, newer, happier, taller, skinnier, wider, bigger, smarter. Do you ever get tired of just living in that land? I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I hope and pray that you are too. The only healthy comparison is you of today versus you of yesterday. That's the only healthy comparison in your life. Are you beginning to be sanctified, to be looking more like Christ each and every day, growing in your faith, growing in who you are, personal development, you becoming a better version of you? That's the only healthy comparison. You today versus you yesterday, not you today versus somebody else today. God has planned a race for you. Can I tell you the dirty little secret of pastors? Can I? Is that okay? I'm gonna tell you the dirty little secret of preachers. We struggle with this with our church versus that church. And guess what? We don't even talk about it. We just know that it's there. It's in our head. And we wonder, huh, well, we only had this many and they had that many, I guess we stink. Well, we had this many and well, you know, we baptized this many, but they baptized that many. I guess, I guess, I guess life change just isn't happening here. Well, you know, they had this many people show up and well, they had, they, the other church had that many people show up and <sighs> I guess that we're not making an impact. People aren't listening to my sermons. They don't care. I'm not effective. I might as well quit. Like that's the dirty little secret in the back of pastor's minds, constantly comparing ourselves to the church, church across town. And it's sad, isn't it? But guess what? We all do it in every area of our life. I wish I had their marriage. I wish I had their house. I wish I lived in their neighborhood. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I, wish I had, I had, I had. It's pointless, it's meaningless, it's worthless. It's worthless. Comparison is a prison cell with no windows and no doors, only bars. Comparison says, I need more stuff. Contentment says, Christ alone is enough. Think about it for just a second. Wherever you live, fill in the blank. Everybody lives in a, a different road or neighborhood. We all got that crazy neighbor, don't we? Everybody does. Like that guy that, that like mows the grass with his shirt off and his weird hat. And he's like, always, like, you know, like, that guy's crazy. All right, we're gonna dodge him. Like, you know, like every neighborhood has that crazy neighbor. Like they're loud, they're obnoxious. They're, they're, they're trying to, you know, impose themselves into your yard, whatever it may be. They're that crazy neighbor. Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay, if your hand's not up, you're the crazy neighbor. <laughs> And everybody is gossiping about you in your neighborhood, okay? The crazy neighbor watch program, the sign, it's there and they're talking about you. They're meeting behind closed doors about you. How are we going to get rid of little Johnny? Like, he's crazy. All right. But just imagine if you're riding through your neighborhood and you see your crazy neighbor for just a second and they're running like Phoebe on Friends, just like, just going nuts and crazy. And you're like, oh my gosh, don't look at him. Just keep driving. Don't look at him. (laughs) Roll up your window, roll up your window. (laughs) And you're just like, I'm not even gonna pay attention because that's crazy Carl. You know, I'm not even gonna pay attention to him. But what if your crazy neighbor is running around like a madman, just running around like this through his yard, and you do stop. Like your kid convinces you to pull over and let's see what's wrong. Maybe they, they got swarmed with wasps and he's trying to, I don't know. Let's just see if, if, if Carl's okay. So y'all roll down the window and you say, hey, crazy, I mean, Carl, are you okay? Are you good? And Carl says, yeah, man, I'm just chasing the wind. Wow. What? <laughs> you're, ch- you're chasing the wind? You do know you can't catch that, right? Like that's what you would think, he's crazy. You and I look like that spiritually all the time. You look crazy. I look insane, out of my mind crazy. Chasing the wind. If I just had that job, if I just made that salary, if I just had that car, if I just lived in that neighborhood, if I just had that outfit, if I just, if I just, if this and that, and oh my gosh, are we serious right now? It's pointless, it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. The problem doesn't go away. But contentment can be Learned. Philippians 4 11 and 12 says this I am not saying this because I am need this apostle Paul I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content in whatever I have the apostle Paul said I've learned it in other words it doesn't come natural it doesn't come natural Naturally, we're selfish. Naturally, we're materialistic. Naturally, we're greedy. In the same way that you discipline yourselves not to drink alcohol and get drunk, the same way you discipline yourself to not click on a pornographic website, the same discipline that you say to not take the pills, the drugs, you have to discipline yourself to learn to be content and to not compare yourself to your neighbor. Paul said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Here it is. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Paul's been on both sides of this thing. He said, man, I got more than enough. Like I'm got plenty. And he's here. he's been, man, I've been broke. No joke. I can't afford to have an opinion. Like he is. like, I mean, he's man, I've been on. I've been on both sides of this coin. The apostle Paul said, Everybody's been on both sides, have not you? You've been, you've been there. You know what he's saying. Everybody, when you first get married, man, you're broke. Everybody's broke when you first get married. You're eating off a card table, ramen noodles and all this stuff. Power bills due. You ain't got no money, but you got love. But up's EMC. Don't take love as a payment. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry, we need groceries. Well, angles don't take a love card. We got to have a debit card. Got to have money on it. Like Everybody starts off broke. We've been there, done that. Okay. Paul says, I've been broke, I've had plenty. I have learned the secret. Oh my gosh, are you serious right now? He said, here's the secret. Shh, I'm gonna tell you the secret. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation in my life, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I have, I'm, in, I'm in want. And I'm gonna leave the punchline to the end. But he says, content, contentment is crucial. This is crucial for living a life of peace. Contentment is crucial to having joy in your life. Paul was content because of who he knew, not because of what he had. Paul was content because of who he knew, not because of what he had. So the question is, how can I learn to be content? That's the question. How can I learn? The apostle Paul learned it. How can I learn it? Contentment, I wrote this down. Thank you, Jesus. I love me some Jesus one-liners that he gives me. Contentment is not a position you're born with. It's a decision you live with. It doesn't come natural. Contentment is not a position that you're just born with. It's a daily intentional decision that you got to live with. So number one, practice gratitude. Everybody say practice gratitude. Everybody just kind of close your eyes for a second and like just imagine yourself standing before God and say this. Everybody say it out loud. Say, God, I am thankful for what I, have. what I have. Don't you just feel a little bit better right now? Being thankful, having gratitude. We must practice gratitude. We must be thankful for what God's given us. Ecclesiastes chapter six, verse nine, Solomon again. He says, enjoy. Man, I love that word. <laughs> Listen, y'all know me. I'm a big old kid. I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna have fun. My mama told me this three years ago and I have never forgotten it and I never will forget it. My mama looked at me and I was holding my daughter's hand. She was probably three years old at the time in her driveway. My mama said, David, you get 18 summers with her. This is one of them. You get 18 summers with your kids and then they're grown and gone. This is one of them. Enjoy your time with your family. I've never forgotten that. My mama's mama, my grandmother, on my mom's side, and she, she died when she was very young, in her 40s. When my mom was a teenager, I didn't get to meet her. But she said this. She said, if you can't be content in your own backyard, you'll never be content. If you can't find happiness in your own backyard, you'll never be happy. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, enjoy. I love that. <laughs> I love having fun. Enjoy what you have rather than what someone else has. That's what the Bible says. Like, guys, the Bible is not like some fairy tale, some little sprinkle dust, some old book. It doesn't apply. Like, guys, literally let this sink into your heart. Live within these pages. If you get in this book, this book will get in you. And it says right here, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. (laughs) That is so practical. And it's 3,000 years old. Solomon said this, like really? Guys, you can trust this, you can bank on this, you can lean on this, you can design your life off of these teachings. Second Corinthians 9.11, Paul again says, yes, you will be enriched, you will be blessed in every way so that you will always be what? Generous. Honestly, that's the key. Spoiler alert, point three coming up in a minute. That's the key, guys. You you, you gain more joy and more happiness giving than you ever will receiving. Yes, he says, you will be blessed in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts, Paul's saying, the Church of Corinthian, right, giving gifts. He said, when we take your gifts and we go spread them out, he said, they will what? They will thank God. They will will show thanksgiving to God. They will be grateful to God. They will practice gratitude saying, thank you, God bestowed upon us these gifts, these resources, whether it was food or money or clothing. Like, thank you, God. You're the one that blessed me. You're the one who lavishly loves me and you're rich in mercy and you always have, you always love me and you provide everything that I need. So I'm gonna thank you because you are my source. You are my source. Contentment is not the fulfillment of everything you want. It's the appreciation of everything you already got. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. It's simply the appreciation of what you already got. Practice gratitude. Everybody say it. Practice gratitude. Say it like you mean it. Practice gratitude. Number two, practice encouragement. Practice encouragement. Be happy for what other people have done. Be happy for what other people have accomplished. Romans 15, two says this, each of us should please our neighbors. You should want to serve your neighbors and help your neighbors and compliment your neighbors. For what? For their good, the things that they've done. For their good. Compliment them, please them, praise them for what they've done. To what? To build them up, to build them up. Let me, who are you building up? Who are you currently building up? Every person in this room needs to have a cheerleader in their life and they need to be a cheerleader for somebody else. Amen. There's two things really you need in your life. You always need a coach and you always need a cheerleader. Just every sports that arena you've ever been at, guess what? Coach is down there going, come on, man, you can do this. You're holding you accountable. He's pushing you on your heels. He's saying, let's go. You can do better. You can do more. I believe in you. Coach is there in accountability, right? Accountability stinks, by the way. Nobody likes accountability. Let's just call it what it is. But guess what it does? It causes you to grow. Yes. But everybody needs a coach in their life. They're inspiring you, they're encouraging you, they're mentoring you. Everybody, person in here needs to have a mentor, a coach, someone that's pouring into you. And guess what? Every person here needs to have a cheerleader. Somebody that calls you that when you get the job, your phone's gonna ring any moment. Man, I t- the whole world knows I got that job. My phone's gonna ring any moment and I know Johnny's gonna call me and he's gonna congratulate me. And guess what he does? He picks up the phone, he says, hey man, Hey, Big Dave, listen, bro. I heard what happened. Congratulations. I'm like, yeah, man. Thank you, bro. I knew you'd be the first one to call. You always encourage me. That feels good. And the Bible says you should do it. And guess what? You need to be a coach into someone else's life, and you need to make sure that you are a cheerleader for someone else. To encourage them, the Bible says, to build them up, to lift them up. He says it again. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. He says... So encourage each other and build each other up. He tells the Romans that. He tells the Thessalonians that. He says, encourage one another. Build each other up. Practice encouragement in your life. Who are you encouraging right now? Who are you building up? Who are you calling and inspiring them? This is gonna hurt. It hurt me when God gave it to me. Maybe God hasn't given you what you asked to be blessed, listen, everybody does this. God, will you please bless this? We bless my marriage? God, will you please bless my, my home? God, will you please bless my relationship with my kids? God, will you please bless my finances? God, will you... everybody does that. And that's fine, that's good, that's fine. Bible says you have not because you ask not, but ask with the right motive. But listen to this, maybe God has not given you what you asked to be blessed because you're not willing to celebrate someone else's success. Woo! Maybe, just maybe, God sit back and he's just waiting. Because he's a patient, he's patient with us. Man, is he patient with us, right? 40 years in the wilderness. I mean, like, good grief, seriously? Like, and maybe God's sitting back going, okay. When they finally get it, when they get it here and here, and they realize that life's not all about them, right? Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the honor and the glory. So when people understand to live their life, to give God glory and to to encourage other people, lift up God, like I'm gonna sit back and I'm not gonna bless them what they asked for because they're not willing to encourage other people with their their other people's success. Maybe, just maybe. Celebrate other people's wins. Be happy for other people. Somebody got the job you wanted. Be the first person to pick up the phone and call them. We, We just had Graduate Sunday last week or two weeks ago. And Pastor Cody delivered a strong message, powerful message. I love Pastor Cody. He's my boy. Love Pastor Cody. Delivered a strong message. Students listening to that, some of them going into college, some of them trying to apply for scholarships, some trying to get into this school and that school and, or going into the workforce or whatever. And they're sitting there, they're trying to figure out life. You've been there, I've been there. Some of us are 35, still there. God, what do I do with my life? And here's the thing. Asking yourself, Well, what if my best friend gets into the college that I applied for? What if, student, your best friend got accepted into the university that you wanted? You didn't get in, they got in. Be the first person to pick up the phone and call them and say, man, I heard heard the great news, congratulations. And on the inside, you're dying because you're like, I wanted it so bad. Be godly enough. Be mature enough in your faith, be humble enough to pick up the phone and be sincere and say, "Man, I am so happy for you. You deserve this." Your coworker, your best friend that you work with every day, the opening came up and there's a promotion in your job and you both went for it and you didn't get it. But your friend did. Deep down man, you're upset. But be bold enough in your faith and be mature enough in your faith. Be humble enough in your faith to be sincere. Pick up the phone and say, man, you got the promotion. You deserved it. God bless you, man. I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. And let me know if you ever quit so I can apply again. (laughs) Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. It's the appreciation of what you already have. Practice encouragement. Be sincere, be a cheerleader, and be a coach. Number three, we're wrapping up. ban, you can get ready to come. Because I'm running low on water. Come on, Band, come on out here. I'm just kidding. I got another one right here. My boy, Timmy, he always helps me out. Number one, practice gratitude. Number two, practice encouragement. Number three, practice godliness. Practice godliness. That's not a word we use a lot, but basically it's God-likeness. That's all it is. Being like God. Practice gratitude, encouragement, and practice godliness, God-likeness. First Timothy six, six through eight says this. Now, godliness with what? With contentment is great gain. Some versions say great wealth. Listen, this is selfishly, this is what you want anyways. He's saying, you want great gain? You want great award? You want an abundance? You're not gonna find it in the world. He says, look, you're gonna get what you want, the greatness, the great gain. You're gonna get it, but it comes with godliness, with contentment. That's where the great reward comes from. That's where the great spiritual wealth comes from. If the physical financial wealth comes, so be it. That's between, that's God. He's the one that provides the means for that. That's, that's on him. We'd be thankful, we'd be good stewards over it. And we remember where it came from, lest he snatch it away because we're greedy or we're trying to show out or whatever, and our hearts wrong. It's not about the stuff. I told that in the first service. Listen, this is not an anti-stuff or anti-multiple house sermon. That's not what what I'm talking about here. You gotta work hard. You have to save. You have to do this stuff. It's about the motivation of your heart. Are you doing it and getting it and buying it to impress other people, to make your neighbors envious, to make your neighbors jealous so that they will covet your life? If that's your motivation, boom, there's your reward in heaven, you're done. Peace out, because you're gonna be miserable. You're chasing the wind, bro. But if your motivation is pure, you're loving the Lord, you're serving the Lord, you're giving, you're tithing, you're budgeting, you're saving, and God reigns upon you because you're working hard, living according to his principles, and he, and he wants to bless you with more. He, listen, the Bible says, he says this in the parable of the 10 talents. He who is faithful with little will be given more to manage. That's his, that's his, that's his deal. That's not my deal. So if you're going to be faithful with little, he'll be given more to manage. So he says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. And by the way, it's not a sin to own cool stuff. It's when all the cool stuff owns you. Come on, man. It's not a, listen, the problem isn't having the things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. The problem is the heart when all the nice things owns you. That's the problem. I'm gonna get to this verse eventually. I've started it three times. 1 Timothy 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Here it is. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. I started laughing this week in my office because that little phrase reminded me of something my mama used to say all the time. Listen, boy, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. It just reminded me because it was kind of similar. But he says, we brought nothing, we got nothing. In other words, when I formed you in your mother's womb, you were content. Oh, man, let that sink in for a second. When all you had was your life giver, oh, you were content. When you were in your mother's womb, you were completely content. You brought nothing into this world. It's the world that contaminated us. He said, we will carry nothing with us as we go. Having food and having clothing, with these I shall be content having food and having clothing, food in my pantry, a roof over my head, shoes on my feet, a car to drive to work. I'm thankful, God, you've blessed me, Lord. I'm gonna be a good steward over what you've given me, Lord. I'm gonna be a good steward over what you've given me, Lord. And I'm content, I don't need more to be happy because I got you. And I I changed my sermon yesterday because this third point I had practiced generosity. That was my point, number three. Practice generosity. Literally, last night, went back to the office like 10 o'clock at night, changed its recent email to them so they could have the right point. Because I got to thinking, man, it's hot up here. I'm sweating. I'm sweating like my old boy Rex King. Boy, he'd throw down. He'd be sweating, boy. I I need a sweat rag, Pastor Rex, if you're listening. Man, get me one. Love him. And listen. I forgot where I was going. Yo, I changed my point. I changed my point. I'm getting hungry, y'all. I'm hangry. Sorry, my blood's not pumping up here. I changed my point. It wasn't going to be practiced generosity. But then I got to thinking, I was like, wait a second. Godliness is not necessarily a byproduct of generosity. But you know what it is? Generosity is a direct correlation as a byproduct to godliness. So when we want to be more godly and we're practicing godliness and we're learning to be more like Christ and we're serving more and we're giving more and we're being more like him, a byproduct of that is we're going to be generous in our life with our time and our talents and our tithe. We're going to be generous to God. It's a natural byproduct to be generous when we're trying to be godly. Getting more does not make you happy. Giving more makes you happy. So where does your strength come from? Because guess what? This is hard. (laughs) <laughs> like living in the world we live in, we're always looking at that. It's always the next thing is better. The upgrade, the new thing, the this, the that. They got this, they have that. Like it's a consumer society. Like it's hard to live in this society and it's always advertised out there that you need this to be happy. You need that, then you'd be happy. If you did this and if you did that and if you went there, if you bought this, it's like, ah, like it's, it's hard. So where do we get our strength from? Because guess what? Why do you keep giving into The whisper. Why do you keep giving into it? Because you're weak. That's why I give into it. I've tried it. Like the whisper. If you had this, you would be happy. And I tried it, and it didn't make me happy. It didn't work. Now you're mad. So why do I keep going back and doing it? I'm chasing the wind. But wind chasers never win. But why do I keep going back? Because I'm weak. That's why. So where am I going to get my strength from? How can I live a life of contentment? How can I live a life of godliness? How can I live a life with no comparisons? The apostle Paul, thank Jesus, he, he, told, he told it to us. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole thing now and I'm going to tag on the last verse. I left it off earlier. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether I'm well fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I got nothing for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength that's the context it's the number one verse taken out of context in the world when i was a kid i called it the home run sermon i mean the home run passage i'd be up there getting ready to bat i'm like oh man bases are loaded two outs i can do all things i can do all things through christ who gives me strength right it's the home run verse People wanna just put it on whatever they want. In its context, he's talking about, I got nothing. I've had everything. It's been hard, it's been good, it's been bad, it's been ugly, it's been great. In every circumstance in my life, my source is Christ alone. My source is Christ alone. I've learned. Man, it's hard, but you can learn it. I've learned to be content, he says, because Christ, through him, I can do all things. Notice for a second. Notice for a second, he doesn't say, for I can do all things through drugs. He doesn't say I can do all things through drugs that give me strength. I can do all things through money that gives me strength. Nope. I can do all things through a good marriage. Nope. The drugs will give you temporary satisfaction, then you'll feel miserable. The alcohol will leave you having fun one night and throwing up the next morning. The money will get mismanaged, it will get spent. The spouse will hurt you, you will hurt your spouse, you will let them down. Oh, I can do all things through my best friend who gives me strength. Your best friend could stab you in the back tomorrow. I can do all things through the local church. No, we will let you down 150 times this year. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's him. It's him. It's not relationships. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not popularity. People will forget your name. I can do all these things through Christ because he's strengthening me. That's how you can do it. I, forgot, I left this out in the first service and I didn't mean to. I don't wanna be misunderstood in this context this morning. Oh, David's anti this and he's anti that, you can't have, listen, Ecclesiastes 4, 5 and 6 says this, a foolish person folds their hands in idol and leads to ruin. A foolish person does not work hard. A foolish person sits there and folds their arms in idol and ruins their life. I'm not saying you can't work hard and go attain great, I'm not saying that. Solomon said this, a fool is going to sit like this and do nothing and not going to work. That's a fool. He just folds his arms. He don't do nothing. His life will come to ruins. Then he says this. So we got to work hard. He says, it's better to have one handful of peace than it is two handfuls of chasing the wind. That's what Solomon says. It's better to have one handful to know when enough is enough, to learn to be content. He said, it's better to have one handful. And that goes against the grain of our culture, doesn't it? we're not a one handful culture, are we? We want two. And if I had three hands, I'd have three handfuls. And if I had four hands, I'd have four handfuls. That's the, that's the world we live in. He said, it's better to have one handful and have peace than it is to go and try to get you two handfuls and be chasing the wind. Either way, you gotta work hard. But guess what? It's all about Christ. It's all about him who gives us strength. And guess what? Next time you're tempted, next time you're scrolling, you're looking, you're observing, you're hearing somebody's story of this thing they did or where they went or what they got, and you're, in your mind you're starting to just dabble in jealousy, you're starting to just dabble in coveting, you're starting to just dabble in envy, hit pause for a second. Step back for just a second and remember That comparison is a bully on a playground. He draws a line. And then when you get closer and step over, he backs up and he draws another line. Just remember that. And just remember this. As you're observing their life and you're seeing what they got and what they do and you're jealous, listen, that's chasing the wind. We as Christians, we don't chase the wind. Why? Wind chasers never win. win. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe. Maybe you don't have Jesus. Just maybe you don't have Jesus in your life and you wanna be content, you've tried everything and I've told people this for years. I don't know where I heard it from, probably my daddy because he's the best preacher ever lived. Every person has a God-shaped, God-sized hole in their soul that only God can fill. So, maybe you've tried to fill it with drugs. You've tried to fill it with relationships. You've tried to fill it with sex or pornography or money or fame or alcohol. You've tried it all and you're left empty. Are you tired of living in the land of Ur? Are you tired of listening to the whisper? If you just had that, you'd be happy. Guess what? The only time you're gonna find joy, you're gonna find that true joy, which is above and beyond happiness, is to have a relationship with Jesus. So maybe you're listening and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I would invite you right here, right now, to ask yourself, if I didn't make it home tonight, where would I spend eternity? And if you can't answer that question with confidence, I would ask you, what about now? What's what's standing in the way between you and God? It's probably yourself. And Jesus said, you gotta lay down yourself. You gotta take up your cross and you gotta follow me. That means say no to the world and to say yes to God's word. We're still in the world, but we're not of the world. So maybe that's you. The Bible says in John chapter six, no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit is drawing him. So maybe the Holy Spirit is drawing you right now by way of radio listening or by watching online or right here in our congregation. But why don't you pray this prayer, simple prayer of faith. Put this in your own words. It's not about repeating what I say. Put this in your own words. You talk to God. For the Bible says, we call upon his name, we shall be saved. Something to this effect. Say, dear God, I'm tired of living the comparison game. I know that you are the answer. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. I call on you, Jesus, to save me. To change me, I'm tired of chasing the wind. I know and I believe that you as my Savior will satisfy my heart. So come into my life. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. If you prayed that prayer, no one's looking around. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just do something real quick? Would you just lift your hand right now? Lift it up, amen. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Looking around, anybody else? Amen, amen. Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. And maybe you're here and you say, David, I'm a Christian, but boy, I've been chasing the wind and I'm tired of it. Listen, no one's gonna judge you coming down here because guess what? We all need to come down here. We all been chasing it. But guess what? Wind chasers never win. You can only do this, fight this craving, this desire of our flesh. The only way is through a relationship with Jesus and Christ being enough in your life. He is all that you need. So I'm gonna pray They're gonna play, we're gonna worship. If you wanna come down, just touch the stage. Maybe just God spoke to you about something, just come touch the stage, walk away. You wanna come shake my hand, come shake my hand. That's just acknowledging, hey, Jesus, I heard you today. I thank you for the message today. I'm grateful today, and I want you to know, God, that I'm acknowledging, I'm stepping out in faith to say, hey, I'm gonna act upon this. Dear Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time of opening your word. Thank you for encouraging us, and let us remember, you are all that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Come on. Thank you for joining us today at Northridge Church. We hope today's message inspired you in your walk with God. We hope you take your next step by connecting with us online at NorthridgeThomaston.com.